Welcome in, folks. My guest today is going to be Joe Durso. Joe is the CEO of Private Equity Backed Mortgage and has spent almost 30 years in the financial world. He has worked at Price Waterhouse and Goldman Sachs. Joe is also the head of Merrill Lynch's residential loan business and has gone on to be the managing director, president, or CEO of five companies dealing in the mortgage and real estate services space. For all of Joe's successes, he's an extremely humble and gracious person. I really hope you enjoyed today's story of Joe's successes and failures so far. How are we doing, Joe? Good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Thanks. Thank you uh, very much for being on here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, really happy to be here. You got a nice little setup there. I love the, uh, the graphics and whatnot. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, kudos to uh, uh, my friend Shelby that helped me uh, kind of do the logo and all that stuff. So, Yeah, Shelby did a great job. Ah, shout out to Shelby. Um, now, <laughs> one of the things I uh, really kind of want to get started with, everything uh, in New York kind of going okay at the moment. I see you got everything uh, back, the, the background set up. You guys are uh, safe and sound. Yeah, you know, it's been, uh, it's been pretty um, unbelievable. Um, You know, born and raised here in New York. And uh, I I rarely I've been around during, you know, 9-11. I've been out, been around here during the blackout, right when things kind of ground to a halt, but um, really never kind of seen it quite like this, you know, lines at the supermarkets, because they're staggering people you know, coming in um, to try and observe that social distancing. Um, and so that's been, been, you know, really fascinating to watch. But, uh, um, you know, thankfully, the, the family's all been, been healthy and safe. And, you know, we've been trying to uh, do our part. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. Um, so for those of you that uh, don't know, why don't you tell, tell a little bit about yourself? Sure. I mean, um, you know, first off, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I'm n- not sure which direction you want me to go um, in terms of, you know, my background, but I'll just give people a, a, a kind of a brief history. Um, you know, I've been in kind of the finance world for uh, almost 30 years after graduating from Villanova University. Um, graduated with an accounting degree and uh, really never had any desire to be an accountant. Um, you know, chose accounting because m- my parents, who were both products of World War II Italy, uh, and were always worried about, you know, um, safety and, um, you know, the economy coming from, from World War II Italy, where, you know, the economy and the country were all ravaged. What my dad once told me early on was, um, be an accountant because whether you have a good economy or a bad economy, somebody always needs to count the money. So, um, so I studied accounting, uh, didn't really enjoy it all that much. Went to work for Price Waterhouse right after college uh, in New York City. Uh, that was great because I got to go out and audit a whole bunch of different banks and hedge funds and um, different types of financial firms uh, and learned a lot you know, really got to kind of learn about some of the underpinnings of um, business and how make, how companies run. Um, so that was great. Uh, from there, I had decided I really do want to get more into the finance and, and kind of deal making uh, part of the business world. Uh, and I accepted a job at Goldman Sachs. Uh, 
there I spent just about nine, nine and a half years um, doing some trading of mortgage-backed securities, pretty much anything backed by assets uh, I would trade. Got to travel all over Europe and Central and South America. Um, really learned a lot. You know, it's a great environment over at, uh, over at Goldman. You know, a lot of, of really good, smart, uh, type A personalities. Um, come after nine years, made the switch over to Merrill where I ran the mortgage-backed securities businesses, uh, mortgage lending businesses, servicing businesses. And uh, once the 2008 financial crisis hit, I had decided that I really wanted to do something different um, and, and have a little bit of a different impact. So I had moved out to Park City, Utah, which was a big change for me and my family um, around 2010 and uh, became the president of a company called Green River Capital, um, which at the time was helping companies manage some of the homes that they had taken back during the crisis. Um, we sold that business to a company called Clayton Holdings, which was one of the bigger due diligence firms for people buying and selling mortgage-backed securities and mortgage loans. Um, ran that business as the president for a couple of years and then uh, sold that business to a large mortgage insurance company, Radian. Um, and then now, uh, having left there, I am working with a private equity group called Lee Equity Partners, and we are actively pursuing investments in the digital um, mortgage and real estate services space. So, um, you know, doing another part of the business, but, you know, closely related to what I used to do, so. I know that's a little bit of a lengthy background. Sorry, you asked the question. No, no, it's uh, I, I appreciate the uh, the insight. I mean, looking at um, looking over your career uh, so far, I mean, you've either you've been a president or CEO on uh, four, four different, uh, at least four occasions. So, um, yeah, where would you say, um, or I should say, what would you say you think are three unique qualities that have kind of uh, pushed you to be successful and Kind of giving you that drive yeah you know i don't know if they're unique right because i i think a few of them are are kind of common traits in in you know business people that are successful in athletes um but i, I would say for myself um hard work and perseverance you know which i think are frankly the price of admission for success in any field you know um, very rarely does anything come easy for people, right? Um, it really does take, you know, hard work. I mean, look, you skied a lot of bumps in your day and as good as you were, you didn't just, you know, pop out of the womb and, and know how to do that, right? You had to work really hard and, uh, and, and deal with some challenges and, and some ups and downs. And, and so I think, you know, always being willing to get up off the mat when you get knocked down. Um, which is going to happen a lot in life. It's going to happen a lot in business. Uh, being able to, to, you know, be hardworking, perseverance. You know, I think some of the other things are um, a, a desire and a willingness to work with people. Um, okay. No matter how good you are in whatever field you're in, 
it's very rare that somebody can make it 100% alone. Um, whether it's having a trainer, having somebody that teaches you, you know, things, whether it's somebody that, you know, has to, you know, work with you to accomplish something. Um, I think a, a desire to kind of work with people in a, in a team environment, um, you know, not everybody's wired that way. There are people who like to be lone wolves. Um, but for me, I think a, a desire to work with people and, and be successful as a team was one of the qualities that I think was really important in my career. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is, is humility um, for a number of reasons. You know, I think it's important to have humility for the, from the perspective of, you know, people would much rather work with somebody that, you know, is, has some humility as opposed to somebody who's really arrogant um, and difficult to work with. But I also think if you don't have some humility, if you can't laugh at yourself, um, if you can't recognize that you make mistakes, um, you wind up making more mistakes out of overconfidence and arrogance. And so I think having that humility was, was another thing that was really important, you know, in my career to make me realize, hey, you know, you always have more to learn. You're, you're, nobody's perfect at anything. Um, and so I always have to kind of keep working and keep learning uh, to, to be successful. And so those would be the three that I would say, at least in my career, were the ones that were most important. Now, you talked a little bit about um, perseverance. Now, how important would you say that is uh, to be successful, at least for you or for anyone in general? Yeah. You know, I, I, again, I, I think life and um, business, you know, mirror sport in that way. And the reality is, again, none of us go into something new and are perfect from the start right? It just doesn't happen. There are some, you know, really gifted and talented individuals that, that may be better um, than others at the very start. But the reality is, you know, the first time you were on skis, there was a time when you fell, right? Um, there, there were certainly times in business where, you know, I'd be in the middle of a big deal and I thought I had it or, you know, I thought a deal was going to turn out great. Turns out that it didn't turn out so great. And, you know, that ability to kind of pick yourself up, dust yourself off, you know, learn from that mistake or learn from whatever went wrong and not quit, not say, all right, you know what, maybe I'm no good at this. Um, let me just try something else. Um, there may be times where you do have to figure out something else because you're just not good at whatever it is that you tried. And we've all been there. Um, you know, uh, and so, but I think in general, the, the quality of perseverance and, you know, not giving up, you know, but really working to achieve a goal that you set, uh, I think that's critical. And, I, and I'm not sure that anybody that's been successful in any endeavor um, would have been able to do it without, you know, that that what people call, quote, stick to right? And perseverance. So, yeah. Now, you played uh, soccer at Villanova, right? I did, yeah. How much do you think uh, athletics played uh, a role in kind of 
uh, springboarding you in the rest of your career so far? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I think as, as former athletes, um, it's always very easy to fall back on sports analogies, right? Um, because they're easy. Um, they certainly pertain a lot to business. I will tell you, as a direct answer to your question, I think the foundation that sports gave me as a child, um, you know, really meant a lot in terms of, you know, what the rest of my life and the rest of my career would look like. You know, you learn a lot of things. I, I still um, play hockey and baseball um, really for fun. Um, and I, and I run a, a youth hockey program in Utah, a tier one hockey program where kids play, you know, all over the country at a very high competitive level. Uh, and we support that. Um, and I, I, the thing that I say to people in the program all the time is the things that sports teaches you about life. And it almost doesn't matter what sport it is. Um, you know, in my case, it was soccer and baseball. Um, but you know, I think very, very clearly and definitively, you know, you have to have that competitiveness in sports to really win, right? It's yeah. very hard at a high level to be a good athlete and just win just on raw talent, right? And so, you know, I think what that teaches you early on is you may have talent um, and that can get you pretty far, but if you really want to be the top, if you really want to win, if you really want to succeed, you have to practice, you have to work at it, you have to minimize your deficiencies, which we all have. Um, you have to really, you know, work on, on your skills. I, I think what it also taught me was how to be a gracious loser, um, you know, and, and a good person in defeat. You don't have to accept that. You don't have to be happy about the feet. Very rarely are we happy that we lost. Um, but you have to learn how to deal with that, right? Because you still have to deal in society with not getting your way. And pouting for the next week um, is really not going to help. Um, but I also think in any sport, uh, and certainly in team sports, it's very similar to what the corporate environment is like in that, you know, as part of a 11 man on the field soccer team, I certainly had my own individual responsibilities that I had to take care of, you know, on the field. Sure. Um, and, you know, if I was to make a mistake and break down, that would hurt the team. Um, but I also had to do that within the team concept. And, you know, I couldn't be playing a certain style or a certain way when the team's trying to play a different way. And that's true in, in life and in corporate America or, or you know, any business or any job that you're in, you have to be an individual contributor as well as a good team player. And, um, and so I think the combination of all of those things, you know, given the inherent kind of social aspect of being on a team, you know, and learning how to deal with people of, of all types, all backgrounds, um, and, and being harmonious with them, whether you like them or don't like them as individuals. I, I think those are all things that are, are really critical. And, and, you know, certainly, um, in my life, I think 
you know, it's meant a lot. So would you say that um, moving into each company and you talked about that, that kind of team mentality and everything else, is that, that's a pretty important role in uh, each as you've kind of grown? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, every company that I've kind of come in to run, uh, one of the first things that I have let uh, all the employees know from day one is um, that we absolutely positively have to run as one team. And, and that includes me. I, I, you know, as the CEO or president, um, I, I may have a different role than the guy in the mailroom, um, but we all have a role on that team, right? And, and the success of the company depends upon all of the team members maximizing their capability and, and how they work together. And, you know, I, I've said a number of times to people, you know, uh, employees, you know, who have had issue with one employer or another and maybe thought they were more important because their title was something different. I've always said, look, you know, you may not like the guy that, you know, runs the mailroom or takes out the garbage at the end of the day. Um, but try running the business with that person not being here for a month, right? And the mail stacks up and you can't get stuff out to your, your clients or your vendors and you don't get you know, correspondence in or garbage is piling up in the hallways and, and in the offices. Every team member has a part to play. And first and foremost, that was always the thing that I used to try and get across when I would start um, running a new company. And, uh, and I would give people time to get on board with that. Um, to the extent that, you know, people didn't get in, get it, get on board with that and buy into the team concept. Um, that's when I'd have to sit down and have a conversation and say, look, maybe this is just not going to be the place, you know, for you going forward. Um, if you, if you can't buy into the whole team, you know, ethos. How long would you say it's, it's kind of taken for you to, to uh, build, uh, I guess would be your culture at each different company, because I'm sure you probably learned a lot, as you said, during the way. So how much, how much have uh, you kind of been able to implement as you've uh, gone on? Yeah. Listen, you, you just used a, a critical word, right? Culture is really, really important. Um, and I think, you know, some companies that I've come into had a really good culture. Um, other companies, you know, really had a, a not so good culture. Um, and, and I think it, it takes a while um, to change a culture. And if, if it's even possible, um, in most cases, we've been able to successfully, you know, turn some things around and, and create a better culture. Uh, sometimes that means making some hard decisions um, and addition by subtraction and, and, and getting rid of people that, you know, are never going to buy into the culture and are never going to help change that culture to a positive one. Um, but it also, I think it needs to be kind of an all-inclusive endeavor. It, every aspect of the company needs to um, have a focus on that culture, you know? And so, 
you know, at the end of the day, that team concept is really important. If you then kind of break things down into people, process, you know, technology, um, and look at all of the, you know, particular parts of, you know, what makes the people, the people, the process, the process, the technology, the technology, and, and focus on how to make those, you know, appropriate parts of contributing to a good culture. I think, um, you know, that takes time. It also requires sometimes you to bring in the right people, um, you know, what I always call culture carriers, you know, because as the president or CEO, I, I always, you know, and, and your brother will, will remember this, and, and I'm sure he, he would tell you that this was true. Every single day that I was in the office, I would walk around the office at least a couple of times a day and, uh, and, and speak to people, you know, up and down the org chart, um, you know, speak to people in their cubicles, uh, speak to them in the hallways, see how they're doing. But, but even with doing that, the head of a business can only be in so many places at the same time. And this goes back to, you know, people and team. And so having culture carriers, having the right people in an organization that, you know, push that same culture, um, live it, embody it is really, really important. Sure. So talking about that uh, culture there and uh, not being able to do everything at one time, what would you, uh, what would you say helps you um, kind of stay focused on some of your like core vital priorities that you have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always try to set up and I used to do this in my life when I was a younger, a younger guy in my career. I, I used to have kind of the, the five and 10 year goals, um, you know, and then you've got the more immediate kind of tactical goals. And, and so, you know, what I do within companies is I, I come in every day. Um, I try to have that goal, you know, whether that's a two, three, five year goal, um, I have that displayed, you know, in my office, you know, wherever I am, um, so that I see it every day. It reminds me every day. I try to make sure that the, the team, you know, has their eye on that goal. And then you also have the, the tactic more day to day goals. Um, and I try to make sure that they're always forefront and, you know, build processes so that those goals are, are driven by, you know, metrics are driven by, you know, what our long-term goals are and what the metrics are and the steps that you need to get there. And, um, and so I try to make sure that we are focused on that every day. Some of that literally comes down to, you know, the, the mission that, that you, you, you put up in the office and make sure that, you know, everybody's aware of, everybody sees, and everybody has to live every day. If you build it in a way that makes it part and parcel of your identity as a company, um, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of stay on task. And then, of course, you know, I have, you know, the to-do lists and, and my own mechanisms for, for how I kind of keep track of those and, and check them off my list as we're accomplishing them and doing them. 
Um, but it really, you know, keeping that focus uh, and a relentless focus on the goal and the mission, I think, is, is critical to success. Critical to success. Now, um, talked a little bit about that. Now, there's always uh, the, the opposite effect, and you kind of touched on a little bit, the uh, failures uh, that always kind of come along in life, and no one really likes to talk about them too much. But what would you say is, is one kind of past failure uh, that you had that's kind of impacted, um, impacted you and really helped propel your future success? Yeah, well, you, you said we have somewhere between a half hour and an hour, so I, I can't go into too many. But I got a bunch. Um, you know, I think uh, the, the reality is you learn a ton from your failures. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, the failures, we're experiencing failures kind of from the time we are kids and, and we try something new, right? Um, but I would say that, you know, one of my first failures, at least in my mind, was uh, even before I got into the work world, I was applying for schools, applying for college. And, uh, you know, I had four schools that I was, I was looking to go to. And, and one of the ones that was high on my list as a good Roman Catholic was Notre Dame. Um, and uh, figured I had a good shot coming from Chaminade High School on Long Island being a good athlete. And uh, I got the rejection letter. And I think it came down to, I forgot to put one of the essays in the envelope. At the time, they didn't have the online applications. And, and so, you know, you look at that and you say, well, that was really a stupid, unforced error, right? <laughs> and, you know, I didn't get into a school that I really wanted to go to simply because I made a dumb mistake, you know, and, and, and the world can be brutal that way. But, you know, early on, it, it taught me, okay, you know, you really got to be focused, you got to check, double check, you know. Um, and, and so in a, in, a, in a small way that affected the rest of my life, you know, I, I, I learned that, you know, you have to do things a certain way. So I think that was a, a, a small failure. And in the end, I don't think it affected the rest of my life negatively. I went to Villanova. You can argue about, you know, the relative merits of Villanova versus Notre Dame, but Villanova is an excellent school and treated me well and, you know, loved my time there. And, you know, I went to Pricewaterhouse right after. So arguably as an accountant, you know, that was kind of as good as you can do. Um, uh, coming out of school. And so it was good, but it was, it was the, the lesson I think that, that taught me something, you know, when you're submitting things, you know, to, to be diligent about how you do that. You know, I think later on, you know, in terms of a failure, right after the downturn, I had decided in 2009 in the worst time, um, to find a job, uh, in my lifetime, until now, actually, um, I, uh, I decided that I didn't want to work at the big investment banks anymore and the big trading floors. And so I decided to go off and just do some consulting on my own. And uh, somebody had asked me to help them build a mortgage servicer, uh, an originator. And 
wasn't sure that I really wanted to do that. Um, you know, wasn't sure about the guy that was running it, the founder of it, but uh, told them that I would help. We helped build the business. Um, and we got to a point where we needed financing if we were going to grow any further. And so given that I come from the Wall Street environment, it was my responsibility to uh, go out and get that financing and spent a lot of time doing that. Um, and ultimately, in the middle of raising the money from a couple of funds, um, there was some weird shenanigans that were going on with the founder. And we wound up not being able to raise the money because of it. Uh, the investors backed out and the company went under. Um, and that's a pretty big failure to me. Um, you know, for one, I had never had that type of failure before. Mm -hmm. um, it affected lives. There were people that had jobs and families that relied on that income. And, you know, that impacted me, you know, and, and I learned... I learned a lot from that, but, but certainly it, um, you know, it's sort of a thing that at that moment, you know, the perseverance and, and, the, and the hard work, you know, you could either say, all right, obviously this is not for me. I failed pretty spectacularly here. Um, or you pick yourself up off the mat, you dust yourself off and, and get back in the ring, right? Or the arena. So, um, so you know, those were kind of two you know, failure is very, very different, um, but they both taught me some really good hard lessons. Thank you for sharing. Um, now, who would you say is a person that really has uh, influenced or kind of um, help you, helped you succeed in life? Who's someone that's really kind of mentored you or um, yeah. helped you along the way? Yeah, so, I mean, first and foremost, my dad is a pretty um, amazing guy. He, uh, as I mentioned, you know, he grew up in Italy during World War II, Southern Italy, in the mountains, um, had a farm, his family farm. Um, they, they actually hid a Jewish family from the Nazis up in the mountains in a, in a 20 by 20 um, stone hut that they had built to try and hide out. There were about 24 of them in that house. Um, maybe it was less than that. Uh, but they, they hid this family for a year and a half. Um, you know, and, and then when the Americans came and liberated Italy, um, they, uh, they all kind of you know, went back to, to life. But, but life in Italy was pretty rough back then. Um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. The economy was destroyed. Um, many of the physical buildings and landmarks were destroyed, certainly where my father grew up. So he made the tough decision to, um, at the age of 21, leave the only country and the only place that he'd ever known um, and come to the United States. So he, he literally was on a boat um, across the Atlantic, came here, did not know English, had no money. I think he had like $7 worth of lira in his pocket um, and made a way. He, he figured it out, right? And, um, you know, that's perseverance, right? Like that is a guy that 
literally has nothing. He, he, he came with nothing but a dream, uh, the American dream, and would tell me every day, you know, how difficult it was. He had a job. He had three jobs. He, a number of, of things. He, he, he worked in construction. Um, he used to clean uh, cesspools. And he was a dishwasher just to try and make ends meet. Um, and he, you know, he used the money to go to the local high school and learn English. Um, while he was doing that, he was on a scaffold one day and, and another construction worker um, didn't like the fact that he didn't yet know how to speak English and actually pushed him off a scaffold. Um, so, you know, that's one of those things where he literally had to pick himself up, <laughs> dust himself off, and get back up on the scaffold, right? So, you know, I think he, um, he then went on, by the way, he learned English, got a, a degree in engineering, got a master's degree in city and regional planning, um, you know, ran the housing preservation and development department for New York City. And, uh, and then at some point later in his career, people had asked him to run for for local office, he became a town councilman. Um, and then he uh, just, right now, he's actually a New York State Assemblyman. Um, and he, he just announced that he's gonna retire. He's you know 80 years old or 81 years old, I think it's time. But you know, as far as mentors, and I've had a bunch uh, in my career and in my life, um, but probably none that embodied that hard work, perseverance, dedication, um, as much as my dad. So I, you know, I would say, I would say by far, it's been my dad who's been the best mentor and, uh, and biggest influence. That's uh, yeah, that's an incredible story. Insane. Insane. Yeah. He, uh, he just recently went to, um, Israel uh, they recognized him and his father for uh, being uh, what they call righteous Gentiles and, you know, saving Jews during the war. So uh, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's a pretty amazing story. It's quite a role model and something to live up to. It's, yes. it's really hard to live up to that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he's got a great, uh, he, is he working on a book yet in retirement? I think he's got a pretty good, uh, pretty good book. You know, I've said that to him. I've said, why, why haven't you done that? Right? Like I used to read books like that all the time when I was a kid. Um, and, uh, I like that whole genre because it's really inspirational. Um, you know, reading those types of stories and, and seeing, you know, the heroic acts, you know, in the, in the toughest times, right. When the world is going absolutely nuts around them yep. that that people would put their own lives at risk to save people that they didn't even know you know that's that's pretty inspirational to me absolutely yeah it's incredible yeah i think you should nudge them again and try to get a little <laughs> i'd read it i'd read it <laughs> all right there we go maybe shelby will help with the graphics yes i could yeah i could <laughs> absolutely it's one call <laughs> now um for people that are kind of just uh, starting out or kind of navigating their way through the, through the business world and um, or athletics, life in general, um, what, what would you kind of give them as a few strategies to help them through while they're kind of dealing with their own uh, doubts, fears, kind of worries, whether it's starting a new business or trying to get somewhere athletically, what, what would you kind of give them? A yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's a number of things, Bob. Um, one, you know, just recognize how important confidence is. And I know you know this. You know, you and I have sat around, me, you and your dad have talked about, you know, confidence. And, you know, if you want to perform at the highest levels, you know, self-doubt hurts, you know, performance. Um, so you have to learn to, to be confident. One of the ways that I think you learn to be confident is, especially when you're starting out, you got to recognize that nobody, doesn't matter who they are, um, nobody knew everything about the field that they're in when they first started in that field. Doesn't matter who they are. You could be the world's leading, you know, biologist or environmental scientist. You know, you didn't graduate from high school and you were the expert on any of that, right? right. Um, you don't learn to run companies or learn to trade, you know, bonds or stocks um, automatically, right? You got to learn. You got to learn from somebody. So um, recognize that. You're going to feel overwhelmed at times because there's so much to learn especially when you're first starting out. Um, recognize, though, that that's normal. Everybody goes through that. And there are a couple of things that I think become really important to, to help you through. And I tell my son, Nick, who you know, um, you know, I tell Nick all the time. I tell new employees that I deal with all the time. Early in my career, I did two things. You know, number one, every time I heard a new word, at the office or from a client or a colleague that I didn't know, of course you feel like an idiot. You feel like these guys all know this and I don't know it. How come I don't know it? So, you know, I always used to carry around a, a piece of paper that was folded up a thousand times and in my pocket and I'd take it out and I'd write down what that word was. And after work, you know, I'd go and I'd open up an encyclopedia or a dictionary or I'd stop by the local library over the weekend and I'd look it up and make sure I understood what it was, right? And so aside from kind of learning on the job and the things that you need to do, putting in a little bit of extra work to, to, to learn some of those things, whether it was relevant to what your task was at work or not, um, I always did that. I recommend that to people. It's even easier to do now, right? Because at the time we didn't have cell phones. And right. so, you know, you could Google anything on the spot. I couldn't do that back then. So I had to carry that crumpled piece of paper. Um, but that crumpled piece of paper always made sure that I kind of picked up and, and, and understood things that people were talking about the second time. Right. The, the other thing that I think is absolutely critical and none of, the, none of us would be successful in any field uh, without it is, you know, and this comes down to people again. Right. And, and having a desire to work with people and, and be good with people. Um, but seek out a mentor, you know, seek out somebody that is going to give you that advice, is going to, you know, tell you about the things that are creeping around the corner that you may not be aware of. Um, but they know because they've been there, you know, they've done it. And uh, I think, you know, the, the importance of a mentor to help guide you, um, to bounce ideas off of, to have dialogue with, I think that can really help with, you know, confidence, 
um, and and focus and and making sure that you're on the right track. Right. So how much do you think also uh, along with that mentor, I mean, uh, that crumpled piece of paper you kind of talk about, I mean, that, that seems like a, a lot of preparation, not only yearning and kind of wanting to learn, uh, it seems like there's definitely a big part of uh, preparation in there. Do you think that uh, is another vital priority? Absolutely. Loaded question, right? Because, I mean, look, you, you know it. Um, you know, people see a guy like you skiing those moguls, and I and I know, like, I will literally kill myself if I try and ski a mogul, right? So, but and and you watch guys like you, and you know, the pistons, you know, the knees going up and down, or the knees are not going up and down. But um, you know, for you to get where you got to, not only required a lot of stuff behind the scenes and and preparation, getting out on the mountain doing it over and over and over again. But it also required the proper preparation in terms of how you eat, right? And right. nutrition, how you, you know, lifted and, and exercised off the mountain, you know, whether that's with weights or other high intensity training and, and whatnot. And so, you know, I, I think it's the same thing in life and certainly in business, you know, you shouldn't try and wing anything. Um, it's really important to put the time in, to put the work in. Sure. If you know you're going to go into a meeting and, and the topic is X, you should, you should look up X and, and research X for as much as you can beforehand so that you, know, you have a perspective um, that is an educated perspective, right? And, and putting in that time outside the office, off the mountain, off the field, you know, in the background when nobody sees, nobody sees the sweat, nobody sees the blood and the tears, right? But it shows when you're out there, right? It, it, it shows when, you know, you perform that, you know, leap and that, and that jump and, or, or that meeting or that deal flawlessly. Um, you know, that's when people recognize, wow, this guy was really, really prepared. Right. Now, um, what else do I want to have, have another one here? Hold on, I wrote some of these down for you. Um, what um, what would you say are three different uh, qualities that that uh, differentiates you from other successful people? You know, I, I don't I don't know that like there are certainly different qualities that people have that make them unique. Right. Right. I think there are successful people all share certain qualities. Right. And I, and I think the qualities that people share are the hard work, the perseverance, right. Cause you can't, can't get anywhere without that. They got to be smart. Um, they got to be focused. I think, for me, um, I, I, I think one of the important things is, you know, you don't always have to be light, but I think you, you, you have to deal with people in an honest way, you know, always with integrity um, so that people respect you. Respect. And I think sometimes people who have had a lot of success sometimes forget 
that, you know, you still have to treat people in a certain way um, and, and keep a deep integrity. You know, it becomes, it becomes easy when you make a lot of money or you've become really powerful or you're a leader in your field. It, it becomes really easy to kind of cut corners and just feel like, you know, you're above something and you don't need to, you don't need to waste your time with, with this or that, that's somebody else's concern. I think, you know, that, you know, we talked about it earlier, humility. Um, I think, I think integrity, uh, honesty, those, those things are sometimes hard, right? Um, but, and in the short term, and I, and I've seen it certainly in my trading days on wall street, um, where, you know, I was always known as a stickler for doing things the right way. Um, and sometimes guys that don't do it the right way um, and, and are willing to go outside the lines, sometimes they have that early success and you say to yourself, wow, you know, I must be an idiot, right? I do it the right way and, you know, I'm the tortoise while the hare is running around the track. Right. Um, but I think in the long run, it's, it, it's always been really important. Um, you know, to have that, that honesty and integrity outside of that, you know, honestly, I, I'm not sure that, um, I'm all that remarkable. So, you know, I don't know that I have, that's you know, any like you're talking about what's that. So that's some of the uh, humility you're talking about there. Well, listen, I, you know, I, I know that if, if I tried to kind of take my shirt, you know, and rip it off, you're not going to find an S on my chest. Right. <laughs> right. And so I don't think I have any superhero skill, but I think, you know, trying to do things the right way, trying to engage people, you know, in that vision, in that mission, working with others to kind of get there. I think, you know, that always for me is something that um, I think is really, really important for the long term. And right. sometimes people just see that differently than I do. Gotcha. Now, what would you say kind of helps, helps uh, keep you sharp and helps kind of keep you motivated? You know, because I feel like <laughs> a lot of people will reach a certain level of success or some area and then they kind of reach a little bit of a plateau and they kind of level off. Yeah, I, I think there's a number of things. And, and, you know, my guess is that you had some of these as well. But um, I think for a lot of successful people, you know, fear of failure is certainly one of the things that that motivates you and drives you. Um, that in and of itself is, is a strong motivator. Um, I'm not sure it's enough because if it was just a fear of failing, you could do what a lot of people do and not try at all, right? right. Don't get into the arena. Don't, don't get out and, and give it a shot and you can't fail. Um, you know, but I think the other thing is, um, you know, when you come from a background like I do, when you, you know, I, when I grew up, we, we didn't have a lot of money. I, you know, I told you my parents' backgrounds, right? right? Um, you know, but wanting to be successful um, as a way of showing that you belong, that you're, you know, that you're capable, that you're, you're able um, to do it. To not be trying hard and motivated to win 
or to at least succeed feels like it, it would be kind of letting my family heritage down. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a, a really big part of it. When I, when I first joined Goldman Sachs, some people had said to me, you know, Goldman has a really kind of tough, smart culture, um, but it's a, it's a rough trading floor. And, and people said to me, Joe, I, I, don't, I just don't see you as a Goldman trader. Why do you want to, you know, be a Goldman trader and be in that environment? And, you know, what I had said, what I had said at the time, and, you know, I, 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 still, I still think it's, it's true and, and, and right, was, you know, I wanted to prove that I could swim with the sharks and yet not become a shark. Um, and, you know, that still kind of motivates me, right? Is, sure. is just, you know, proving that I can do it, proving that, you know, I can succeed and compete with, you know, the best without necessarily becoming something that I'm not. So, um, you know, long answer, Bob, as my, as my answers always are, but, no, but that's, that, good. You know, that's heartfelt. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's genuine, and I think that's a, a quality that definitely uh, helps when you're trying to succeed. That's for sure. Sure. Well, uh, Mr. Gerso, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out, especially with everything going on and your busy schedule. And, uh, yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate it. It's always good to chat with you. Um, I'll look forward to once this quarantine is over, sitting down and grabbing a beer. Uh, look forward. Hopefully to in well. Park City. Yeah, the sun should be coming out here soon, hopefully. Yeah, and when are you getting married? Uh, that is going to be, well, depends on what's going on with everything. <laughs> All right, fair. Yeah, fair. Well, All right. Thanks That'd a lot, Joe. I really appreciate it. All right, man. You have a good day. All Stay right. safe. Thanks, everybody. Bye. See ya. Hope you enjoyed this episode, folks. Thanks a lot. Please like, share, and subscribe. This is your host, Bobby Carroll, signing off.